Well, the ECB is set to turn things positive after years of negative rates. Could they be back in positive territory in just a few months? And does this signal the start of a faster set of rate hikes? Well, that is sort of what they're saying, but the expected rate at the end of the year is still well below their contemporaries. But will they change their mind? Uh, the Aussie and other commodity currencies have taken a beating. And US inflation numbers later on, have they peaked? Not long now until the most anticipated number of the week. It's Friday, the 10th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US stocks are falling further today, aren't they ever? Down 2.8% for the Nasdaq, 2.1% down for the S&P 500, 1.9% down for the Dow. A massive loss of confidence in that final hour of power on Wall Street. And we had big falls in Europe as well, with the Eurostox 50 and the DAX down 1.7%, the FTSE down 1.5%. Bond yields are rising, another three basis points on 10-year treasuries, up to 3.05% now. Uh, but this movement in Europe that is most pronounced, up 10 basis points for French 10 years, uh, seven for German Bunds, eight for UK gilts, but Southern Europe is much more pronounced. Yields up 22 basis points in Italy uh, and another 14 basis points in Greece as well. Yields well over 4% there now. Quite a lift in the US dollar again. It's 0.6% up over uh, over 1%. 3.2 on the DXY. That's because we've seen a 1% fall in the euro. The pound is also down 0.4%. The Aussie down almost 1.4%, down below 71 US cents now. The Canadian dollar also hit by uh, a more than 1% fall. So commodity currency is taking a hit this morning. Oil has pulled back a bit, a 0.5% fall in Brent and uh, just below $123 now and a 0.7% fall in WTI. So Gavin Friend joins me this morning from NAB in London. So Gavin, it's been 11 years in the making. Next month, an interest rate hike by the ECB. Uh, but uh, I mean, are we certain how much buy and how long is it going to take them to dig themselves out of negative territory? They sort of suggested, didn't they, 25 and then 50 Mm. Morning, Phil. Yes. I mean, I guess uh, most of this wasn't a surprise. We knew they weren't going to change rates today. We knew they were going to set the policy in motion by formally announcing the end of QE, the last remaining QE scheme they have, the APP. That will end on the 1st of July. And as you say, that paves the way for a move of 25 basis points. That's what they've clearly telegraphed for the 21st of July meeting. Um and no surprise there. But then they talk about further down the road, um, additional monetary tightening will mm. be needed. And here they're talking about, you know, if medium term inflation expectations or forecasts uh, persist, let alone deteriorate at that point when we come to September, then all is equal that would would, would require a larger monetary response i.e 50 basis points mm. now we, we can had take that new... as read it's very unlikely that they are going to go down before september isn't it i mean what would change for that to happen well you've got to look at the technicals so medium term the, the 2024 cpi or hicp forecast was nudged up above two percent for the first time to 2.1 and to your point yes exactly with given the inflation dynamics why would it come any lower but you have to look that these are uh, annual averages. If you looked at what the ECB said in terms of its guidance that came out, the, um, the sort of forecasts and things from the staff, um, they're, they're clearly communicating that they expect inflation to 
um, converged around the 2% uh, level in the second half of 2024. So technically, that gives the ECB a little bit of wiggle room, um, you know, to go 25 or 50. And I think the thing that we... I mean, it's very easy to make that case to say inflation is in the gum down, so therefore it, it, it's a shoe on that 50 basis points in September. But you've got to think about the things we've talked about before on this show, and that is the growth dynamics for Europe as we head through towards the, Euro- the Northern Hemisphere winter. Mm. You know, it's, you know, we, 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 Europe is trying to force through an oil embargo. It looks like 90% of that or so will probably go through by the end of the year. And we've talked about the idea that what does Russia do? Does it retaliate in kind on gas, which would be very harsh on the Eurozone in terms of probably pushing it into recession. So the question for the ECB is, would they want to be going down a series of rate hikes into possibly a recession and the idea there is you get out quickly you do 25 in july maybe you do maybe you do 50 in september but but then to the idea of a series of rate hikes which is what they've been talking about today christine Lagarde talking about going on a journey towards normalization i mean our view would be you'd, you'd likely want to be a bit more cautious as you get to the end of the year and see how the land lies hmm. um you know uh, but is, is it, it going to is it going to make enough of a difference because i mean obviously it's nowhere near as aggressive as the fed or even the the RBA now obviously the the, the it's a very different situation isn't it there because they are uh, suffering so much because of the uh, the situation uh, resulting from the war uh, they've also got less uh, wage inflation but it's largely supply constraints so uh, do they, they probably don't need to go as far do they so the OECD report this week said that they, that they reckon the monetary policy uh, in Europe will begin to normalize at one and a half percent whereas two and a half percent in the UK and much higher in, in in the United States so maybe they don't need as many rate rises but are, are they doing enough I guess is the question i mean they were hawkish but are they hawkish enough well that, that is true they do they you know they do have the view that most of this is energy commodity price driven that it will wane certainly will have the base effect coming in next year and that will pull things down a little bit but is it enough for who is it enough for markets clearly not because markets were pricing 133 odd basis points for the final four uh, or the remaining four meetings this year after July, mm. um, before today, before Thursday's ECB meeting, and it's now now above 140. To get that, you'd need, you know, a 25 in July, a 50 in September, and then you'd need another sort of 65 basis points in the final two, two, two meetings of the year in October and December, suggesting that one of those would have to be a 50. That's not what the ECB communicated today. They, they clearly talked about 25, then either a 25 or a 50 in September, and then reverting back to further, you know, modest hikes, gradualism, 25 that would be in October and or December. Mm. So even though markets have gone and actually pushed up rate high expectations after the Thursday, Thursday's meeting, the ECB isn't communicating. Yes, they're communicating hikes, but not that aggressively. Maybe that's one reason why the euro, uh, we think, came down today. I mean, it did spike earlier in the session as the sort of more hawkish tinge came out from the ECB. We went up to 107.50 on the euro dollar. But, you know, as we as we close the day, we're heading down towards 106. Does that mean I mean, it's been a good day for the dollar on that in that extent? Does that mean the euro has peaked this time round? I wouldn't rush into this. A lot of it depends really on where the ECB goes from here. And 
we, we're likely to see, typically we see after the ECB meetings, we see more, more comments from the hawks coming out over the next few days. Yeah. And it also depends on what's going on in the US. And we've got a big CPI report coming out yeah, exactly. today. We've been waiting all week for that. Just on just before we move off Europe, though, so they, uh, the, the, those rate rises that have been flagged were enough to hit bonds pretty hard in, in Southern Europe. And we know those concerns we've been talking about all week about the fact that, you know, if there's too many rate rises, what's it going to do to those Southern European economies mm. uh, and, uh, you know, Greece and Italy in, in, in particular? So do they talk about uh, some sort of uh, purchasing of bonds in those peripheral regions today? Yeah. So the fragmentation or the blowing out of EU peripheral spreads is clearly a factor that's weighing on the market's minds. More questions about that from the press today in the Amsterdam meeting the ECB than there was anything else. Mm. Now, the plan is the, the ECB is, is, as it has been for some time, is that they're going to use the maturities from the, the, the super large PEPP program. Uh, as those maturities come up, they can basically change the tenor of those maturities. They can right. change the assets. They can change uh, the jurisdiction. They can swap, you know, German maturities for Italian or, or for, for Greek if they want to. Right. Pretty much got uh, carte blanche to do what they want. Now, that's not really enough for the market. The market was looking for something more specific. Um, and, and on that, really, there isn't anything other than what Lagarde said is, look, you know, we can wheel out PEP again if we think, you know, it can be tied to the pandemic. And if it isn't, then we can just design another tool. Well, that, you know, the market hasn't got that other tool, but be rest assured, the ECB, you know, isn't short on those kind on that kind of innovation. So I suspect um, the ECB has got enough in the store on this. But for the moment, when you've got yields spiking to the extent they are and inflation around the world at it is, that's why you're seeing Italian 10-year yields back up to levels we've not seen since early 2020 and, uh, you know, spreads blowing out to the levels they are. And I think there's probably a little bit further to go on that before markets, you know, sort of calm down. And the ECB have revised their growth forecast. No surprise, downwards, obviously, from 3.7% to 2.8% for 2022. Uh, 2.8% this year is a little bit more than the OECD's revised forecast for the euro area early in the week. They, they were saying a growth of 2.5%, but the same ballpark, really. Uh, but the OECD is a lot more pessimistic for next year. Year. They're saying 1.6% compared to the ECB's revised forecast of 2.1%. So again, you know, the ECB not seeing things as bad as, uh, well, the markets or the OECD in this case. That's because the ECB doesn't have in its central forecast what's going on in Ukraine to the extent that probably the OECD and some of the others do. Mm. You know, they, won't, they can't predict and won't predict a uh, recession yet until they, you know, find... <laughs> For instance, that the EU oil embargo is fully in place, and then they'll start to work on those kinds of things. Clearly, there are downside risks to to, to yeah. those ECB forecasts. Yeah, so. But you know, we've got a long way to go. I mean, who knows? You know, um, may, maybe we'll be talking about some kind of uh, cessation of violence. That would be fantastic news, wouldn't it? Later in the year, but we're not there at this point. <laughs> would be fantastic. Looks my birthday next week. It'd be a nice birthday present to see world peace. I've always wanted that for my birthday, but uh, instead, I'll uh, I'll just get some Bluetooth speakers, which is what I'm asking my wife for. If she can't afford world peace. Look, the uh, the US balance of trade earlier in the uh, week saw imports down and exports up a little, so their trade nap, uh, gap narrowed a bit. Overnight, we saw the trade numbers for China. If the US were importing less, then you, you wouldn't the uh, China exports be down? But no, actually, they're way up. 8% growth uh, was expected. They actually came in at 16.9%. Now, most of this is obviously not going to the United States. It's going to Asian nations. But that is a big uh, step up in exports from China, isn't it? It is. Um, actually, imports at 4.1%. I mean, that looks mm. small by comparison, but both were um, 
up on April's uh, levels and both above forecast. I, I think from the export side, the reopening, particularly of some of the ports, Shanghai, etc., is a clear factor here in terms of picking up and clearing some of those order backlogs. Um, and there's base effects were also a, a, an issue. Um, but I think going looking forward, given the uh, the zero COVID uh, policy well, that's still you know there, one has to be cautious on yes. this at the moment. Well, you lockdowns know, are resumed in part. No, the, uh, the, we're certainly the, not seeing the all clear sign. No, we're not. The red rose nail salon uh, apparently is where this latest outbreak, which has uh, resulted in a, a lot of lockdowns in you know many parts of uh, Shanghai. Uh, so yeah, that's a, so. Look for someone with painted nails and stay away from them. That's the the message there. But it just goes on, doesn't it? We get China's CPI and PPI numbers today. Uh, which is the more important out of those two right now? I, I, I Producer prices, I guess, because that gives us a bit more of a a bit, bit more of a global concern as far as you know, and certainly as far as Australia is concerned, that would be the number we'd be looking at, wouldn't it? Yes, I, I would. I would. I would agree with that. Although CPI, I mean, it has been picking up. Um, Mm. They're, they're both going to be important, but I think both will sort of you know pale into comparison with what we're going to get from the US yeah. later on in the session. Well, let's talk about that because uh, it was up 0.3% in April. This is the uh, CPI numbers for the United States, largely because of uh, shelter, well, accommodation, so rent and uh, and mortgages, uh, food and airfares. Food prices were up 10.8% year on year in the United States, which is the largest increase since November 1980. Uh, but we're getting used to stories like that, aren't we? So is there any reason why US inflation would slow down you know, unless obviously it's the, the, the fine work of central banks in trying to slow it down. But, you know, it's obviously not going to have happened just yet. But, there, you know, there are, there is a lot of people saying, you know, perhaps there are signs that it has peaked. So this is an important number today, isn't it? It is. And we've talked about this, you know, on a number of occasions over the last. I mean, if you look at the just, just look at the annual numbers, this will be the third month where although rates levels are extremely high still, we're going to likely be lower than we were the previous month. So from a headline basis, it looks like it peaked at eight and a half percent in March. We're looking for eight or the consensus is eight point two for later on today. And in the core, the peak was six and a half percent. And now we're looking at five point nine percent. We've got some pretty chunky point seven percent month on month, um, you know, rises a year ago. They're going to be dropping out of the annual comparison. But to your point, you know, it is the season for travel. Um, mm. You know, and so there's every chance that um, the latest monthly numbers could could be boosted by airfares, by hotel prices, by um, gasoline, the driving season, all those kinds of things, and food prices uh, are still there. So yes, chunky numbers dropping out of the annual, but may be replaced by almost as chunky numbers. I do think, though, the, the, the point to take away, the bigger picture story here is these things are gradually rolling over and they will continue to do so as we go through the next few months as these base effects drop out. And that's going to give the market, you know, some um, some respite, I suspect. Yeah. All right. So they might look at so base effects might pull it down, I think, is what you're saying. And the markets might react to that. Whereas, you know, if you really look at it and say well actually you know let's look at month on month rather than year on year because that's what really yep. counts isn't it yep. uh, we yep. have we have the michigan consumer sentiment numbers out today as well including their inflation expectations the 12 month expectation last time was 5.4 percent which uh is that a bit undercooked yeah i mean yeah, but don't forget that's the one year mm. which is um not the greatest of of indicators if you look at the five to ten year inflation expectations you know as one would expect is far less 
elevated at 3%. Um, the other thing is the headline of this is about Michigan. This is the sentiment indicator. And that, uh, that, on, that, on that, we're down at the lowest level since the GFC in 2009. So again, you know, you've got this double story, haven't you? The stag, sort of stagflationary issue there, in, yeah. in, you know, raised inflation concerns and yet lower you know, lower output, lower growth, those kinds of things. So, yeah, well, look, we're out of time. Um, it's, it's it's not a good news story, I guess. No, it's not. No, it's something else that wasn't a good news story, just very briefly, because we are out of time. But I, I had a quick look at the uh, financial system review from the Bank of Canada today. They are very worried about housing debt there, aren't they? And the impact of that rising interest rates are going to have that, you know, because that's going to cut the spending power of those who've got mortgages when they renew their mortgage. So obviously a bit of a, a lag effect as they, you know, get as those mortgages expire and house prices that they, you know, they're worried about them falling because that's going to impact household wealth and then therefore access to credit. Uh, so big concerns there uh, from from Canada. I don't know whether that will have any impact on what they do, but certainly that that was a, a, a big takeout from that financial system review, spelt out quite boldly that this is what they're concerned about. Well, it just goes to illustrate the difficulty that central banks have got, haven't they, all around the world, yeah. trying to manage this, you know, the stop go that we're getting, reverberations of this, and, um, you know, at one end, you've got the Bank of England that thinks it can do it very, very gradually over a period of time. At the other end, you've got the US, you've got Canada that really need to get on top of uh, inflation. And the risk of some sort of, you know, economic accident has obviously got to be larger there. Yeah, absolutely. It's very there difficult. Are. It is very difficult. Yeah. And the effect, the effect, the flow on effects of housing debt is a real one, isn't it? Not just for Canada. It's another thing to worry about. Although I'm not going to worry too much because uh, I'm away for the weekend, beginning now, Gavin. So uh, as soon as we finish this off, I'm off. Uh, so good to talk. We'll catch you again sometime soon. Thanks. Have a good trip. Thanks, Phil. A Cheers. little mini break while I can still afford it. Hey, it is uh, the Queen's birthday, allegedly, on Monday. That means we are skipping. That's why I'm going away. That's why we're skipping Monday's edition of The Morning Call. Back again on Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Darby for NAB. Have a great long weekend. See you then.